Blog Talk Radio. Because, you know, he has scored a lot of knockouts in this run. And to his credit, you know, he did change his style up. Because before, he was the boring guy that outboxed people and used his defense to win fights. And a lot of people liked uh, Jamal, his brother, a lot more just because, you know, Maul would go for the knockouts. Um, But then it got to the point, and some of these same people that used to dog, you know, Jamal back in the day, Started dogging him for now. Man, you're just looking for a knockout. It's kind of funny how that, you know, works itself to that. But last Saturday, he put it all together, like I said. He put all the best stuff from his boxing abilities that he showed, you know, through Ronnie Shields and just in general as an amateur, as a professional, fighting really solid veteran tests. And then... Kind of started with that Jackson fight where he was down on the scorecards, had to knock a guy out to win the fight. I thought he was down against Harrison, and he won the fight by knockout. And now in this rematch again, just like he did with Harrison, he scores the knockout. So sure, you know, could you say we'll talk a little bit about the scorecards? Were one or two of them a little, you know, far? Sure, yeah, that's for sure. But at least we had a resounding ending. You know what I mean? Um, but that was phenomenal. Like I said, he put it all together, the power punching and the boxing ability. And when he fights like this, it's going to be tough to beat him. And to be honest with you, like I said, I did have Harrison up 
in that fight, I think six to four before Harrison got stopped. I did not think he lost that first fight, Charles. I just didn't see it. I really didn't see it. There was a fight on the same card that was tighter with his brother, I thought. But anyway, we will talk about that fight, you know, up front. Um, and then we'll, you know, we'll get into Zerto. Not much to talk about there per se, but that Zapata, William Zapata, Rene Alvarado fight was really good. We'll talk about that. Then we'll look, you know, towards the weekend. Not a jam-packed, well, it's a jam-packed weekend, but there's not like high-profile fights. We've been spoiled basically since early April. Every week we've had top five guys going head-to-head. So we, we're, we're kind of due for a weekend where it's not just the most important fights. But let's not think like we won't get entertainment. You know, Benavidez and Lemieux is probably going to be a good TV fight. Uh, Buatzi and uh, Richards should be a good fight. There's a fight on ESPN Plus um, that we'll talk about. So there is some fights out there. We'll go over some of the betting odds as well. There's some tight fights on the books or betting odds as well. Um, and then, of course, some fight news. Uh, I think, uh, well, the WBC called off Ryan Garcia and uh, Isak Cruz. will tell you why. Kind of funny if this is true, but who knows if it is true. But it, it, for their, their point, they're, they're the ones saying it. Um, it's kind of funny that you're like, huh, so what was all that? talk on Twitter for, uh, if this, in fact, was a fact. Speaking of um, Ryan Garcia, Golden Boy Promotions in the zone have been in negotiations for quite some time, I think since the fall, and uh, they did sign, I think, a multi-year, I think it's a three-year agreement, something like that, um, where, you know, all different levels, whether it's championship level, mid-level, uh, prospect night, um, so we'll give you a little bit of details there. Um, and, of course, just current fight news. And, as always, boxing Twitter segment where, you know, we read the tweets of the week. Really positive, solid tweets, right? But then, of course, we poke some fun at fanboys, but especially media members. Media members, I repeat, behaving as fanboys on boxing twitter if this is your first time listening to the rope dope radio podcast welcome it streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope dope radio you don't have to go to blog talk and rope it open download the show directly there if you don't want to or listen to the browser you can find the platform on apple podcast iHeartRadio, player fm uh spricker stitcher tune in amazon music google podcast uh, while you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingcute.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to Choice or Ultimate Package, that gives you three free months of HBO Max. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks without the additional fee. Boxing fans, you may listen to this, or you may like this one. If you go to the Premier Package, that gives you HBO Max and Showtime already included. Showtime is $11 on this platform. Just a heads up. Direct TV stream. Okay. All right. So, um, like I said, there can, like, entertainment value-wise, maybe we'll get some upsets as well, or a big upset this weekend. 
but entertainment value, just a fight fan watching fights. I actually think that we'll get some good stuff this coming weekend. Um, but man, like I said before, we have been on a roll uh, since early April, um, and it's been fun. It's been great. Um, you know, you still hear. I mean, there's plenty to always complain about boxing, but at some point, you gotta love what's going on right now, man. Um, whether some of these fights are, you know, um, activating the casuals or not, this weekend probably won't, but it's been fun, man. It's been really fun. And let's start breaking down this, this uh, rematch for Undisputed. Um, I had Charlo winning um, the first two rounds. Um, he landed, you know, he, he started, of course, with his jab. Uh, early in that round, he landed a couple of uh, left hooks to the body. And that's another thing that I thought, okay, well, um, where's the body shots, you know, in that first fight? And to be fair, both of them really didn't go to the body a whole lot. But Castaño landed the better ones. Um, there was some back and forth, especially late. The last minute, there was some nice uh, exchanges. I thought the Charlo counters were the difference. There was like a really nice left hook the last I think I marked it down 20 seconds of that round. And there was some really competitive rounds, of course. Um, more body shots with the jab, the left hook, um, and the right hand, which we didn't, once again, from Charlo, we didn't see a whole lot of from Charlo in that first fight, the, the right hand. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There was a nice right hand from Castaño, a couple of few clean shots, especially late in that second. Um but I gave Castaño the third round. It was a close round. Um, I thought he was just busier, you know, uh, early and late, especially in that round. Uh, Charlo had really a, a nice left hook. I think like uh, a body shot with that right hand. Another thing we talked about was the uppercut. If you look at Castaño's guard and his style of fighting, it lends itself to land some uppercuts. That's something that we saw more and more. Um, the fourth round was very competitive. Charlo landed some hooks and right hands early and late. Uh, Castaño really came on, had some success, like, you know, at times in that round. So, I mean, that was the last 20 or 30 seconds of that fourth round was just a tussle, right? Um, and maybe some flurries down the stretch were good enough for Castaño uh, to get that round. I did give the fifth to uh, Charlo. I thought that, um, you know, his, he started throwing combination. He was mixing in that movement. Um, and, you know, the counter, the pivot, little quick clinch that we talked about as well. Um, Castaño did land a really big right hand, though, and also some hooks in that as well. Um, but I think Charlo with the combinations and, and like I said, some really nice uppercuts, um, some some. Big punches down the stretch, probably won that round. Castaño, I gave the sixth. He, he was jabbing really, you know, very well early and then landed hard combinations. Um, you know, Charlo landed a late right in a nice uppercut, but I don't think it was enough. So at the halfway point, did you have it 3-3? Three, three? I was okay with that. I thought that was right in line. If anything, if I had someone up, it'd probably be Charlo, 4-2. to two. Uh, You know, maybe the 3-2-1 type of deal. I think that was uh, 
accessible as well. Um, but Charlo really in the second half took over. I gave him the seventh. He landed a nasty left hook midway. Didn't follow up, though, and I remember tweeting because I did get home in time. I remember tweeting, I'm like, man, did, is he going to mista- make a mistake here by not following up, you know, and possibly hurting or knocking him down? Obviously, in the long run, he didn't. But I do remember that, along with, like, jabs and right hands and more uppercuts from Charlo. So he clearly won that round. The eighth round. That was kind of up in the air. Charlo, you know, had the jab, threw some counter um, left hands. His defense was pretty good. I, I noted that in my notes. Uh, and then several hard right hand, oops, several right hard right hands along with the jab for Castano. Like I said, that the eighth and ninth were pretty close. Um, I didn't think it was some kind of big blowout at that point. But, you know, I would probably give the eighth to Charlo. The ninth round was competitive, though, and, and once again, Castaño, like he did a lot in the first fight, he finished stronger with more flurries. But when you give, like in the ninth round, Charlo for the first minute and a half, two minutes, it was like counter shot on the move. You know, he was better. He was landing better shots. So, you know, the bigger shots and maybe the guy that closed stronger, you know, I, I think he could probably – you know, give that to Castaño, but I don't know. It, it was a competitive round. Let's just put it that way. Um, and then a, a left hook landed really, really hard. And it was one of those, it was a delayed reaction. Um, and I think it was starting to accumulate. You could kind of see that Castaño, he took so many great shots. I mentioned that one, what was that, the seventh round? Um, he took so many great shots, and, and then you could see in the second half of the fight, he started to get a little bit more effective, especially that seventh round. But all of a sudden, you started to see him really, like, showing that he just got hit hard, whereas before he was eating them and come forward, you know, coming forward. And he just kind of crumbled right in front of Charlo, and it was like, oh, shit, you know? Um, and then he got up, and he was hurt. You know, we've seen fights stopped uh, for being that hurt. Obviously, um, you know, Castaño was hurt a couple times in the first fight early and late and and weathered that storm. I was okay with the fight going on. Um, But if you thought, well, you know, they shouldn't stop it, that's cool. But after that, for sure, I mean, he landed, Charlo landed a left I think to the body and then the head, or was it the head and then the body? I can't remember, but that left to the head snapped the neck of Castaño. You could, I actually tweeted out uh, the picture of his neck, you know, on the back of the rope. I mean, once that happens, it's a wrap. You know what I mean? I don't care how uh, people like to be, you know, savages online and you know i like to see like bloodthirsty fans and all that with no uh excuse me with no um i don't know sometimes you know with no heart or something of care showing something uh for the fighter um because i did see nah they should have you know he should have went out on a shield and stuff like that it's like dude or you should have allowed it. It's like he did allow it, man. He, he that head snap which was bad. Anyway, he did crumble again. 
and I think it was a left hand up top, and then the body shot followed it right back up. It probably would have followed it with more too, um, but he wasn't able to get up. It was a, basically did he I, did he? I think they called the fight before he got up. So anyway, it was a knockout in the tenth round. Charlo does it again in the rematch. No, uh, you know, shame for Castano in this loss, man. He uh, he fought really hard and uh, did well. Not as well, obviously, in the first fight. And, and like many people, I did think that you could have definitely given um, him the first fight. I think that was fair. Uh, I was glad. At least it was a draw, so he didn't get an L on his, you know, um, leisure. But. Charlo did talk about how he was having, you know, some – didn't have a great camp. You know, he said his back was giving him issues, yada, yada, yada. We hear that all the time. Um, maybe that was true, though. I'm not saying, you know, sometimes it's very true, right? Uh, but whatever it was, he just fought a complete fight is what happened there. And uh, just really placed himself in that elite level and – you know, I, I'm not big on pound for pound. You know, I'll sit there and debate who should be number one. Um, and sometimes it is two or three people, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, we've seen that before. Uh, you know, when Floyd, uh, you know, retired or whatever for a couple of years. Uh, Andre Ward, Chocolatito. Like, you could make Nonito. Like, there there was a case for a variety of stuff there. But, um, and I'm saying Nonito when he was active But anyway, I digress. Um, I'm just not big on pound-for-pound top ten list because I really think there's usually from, like, 12 to 15, 16 guys that you can make a, you know, a case for sometimes. So, But what I do know is Charlo should be in it now. You know, Charlo should be in it now. He's undisputed. And a lot of people don't like to hear this, but he just punched his ticket to the Hall of Fame on this one. I really believe that um, he definitely had to grind it out. Castaño's a damn good fighter. He's beaten some other really good, solid fighters. He, you know, he, it wasn't like the, I don't know. I just think he had to grind his way to it. He's not done at 54. So whether he wins and loses against other guys, he's going to fight probably more people at 54. Um, maybe not, though. He might go up. You never know. Um, they may do the shift. You know, the, the, the Texas shuffle, I guess you could say. Charlo, Jermel was talking about how, you know, it's a Texas thing and, and it's a team thing, even though Ronnie Shields and Jermel aren't part of the, the, the Derek James uh, team, per se, the camp, right? But to move, you know, after Spence is obviously moving to 54 pretty damn soon. Um, and then maybe he'll go to 60. And maybe Charlo will go, you know, Maul will go up to, to 168. Whatever, whatever's close. Um, I would love to see him just say screw it and drop a belt or two. Um, that way if Crawford or Spence wants to come up, they can. And maybe if, you know, if Crawford beats Spence, then he'll have, you know, uh, at least the lineal, even if he doesn't have those belts still. Who knows? I could give a shit, to be honest with you. Once you've established the uh, undisputed, I don't really care about the belts at that point. I mean, I don't really care about the belts, but it's lineal. That's the most important. Right now, he's the best. Are there young guys coming up? 
you know, Tim Zhu, yes, that's probably next if he stays. I'm assuming he will. Um, because you never know about the, the Crawford Spence fight. First of all, it has to happen, you know, in the fall, you presume. Um, but it could be a rematch, too. And that could give Charlo two, three more fights. You never know. So, um, and like I said, if Spence goes up, he could just drop a belt, let Spence fight someone solid for it, and maybe they wouldn't fight, and that's when they'd move up. I don't know. Um, either way, though, that it's a win-win with both Spence and Crawford, no matter what happens. If they go up to 54, I think it's a win with Charlo, man. Um, I just think the way he grinded it out, um, you know, that, that when you're undisputed this way, it's not like beating a decent fighter and then someone else, boom, and all of a sudden it's undisputed. Like, I got to say, like, I think, you know, well, let me see. Like, the undisputed at um, 140, you know, um, could you make for Crawford? Could you make, uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm talking about Crawford. We've got two undisputed at 140 now that I say that. But could you make a case um, that it's somewhat similar uh, because, you know, it's not like there are other elite guys at the division. Yeah, you can make a case. I think it's a lesser case, but I think that case can be made to an extent for sure. Um, but it's the way he's done it. Um, and I don't know. I just, I just really think that that's, I think it's like, you know, just like Josh Taylor. You know, I think he punched his Hall of Fame ticket for that you know, for him going through a handful of guys like he did and then to beat Ramirez, especially the way uh, he did. It was a competitive fight, but he scored the knockdowns, so he, he made it clear. Um, but with a lot of people thinking Castaño won the first fight, he wasn't the underdog, but if, I don't know, if you look at people that, you know, really are in-depth boxing prediction experts, there was a fair amount of people picking Castaño. So was he an underdog on the betting book? You know, books, no. But plenty of people were picking Castaño. For good reason, too, by the way. So you put it all together. Um, he was busier this fight, too. Uh, let's see, the, the copy box. Both of them scored at a high rate. Um, the jabs were pretty much close. There wasn't uh, – Castaño won the power punching, 173. Uh, five to to 142 overall the 194 landed to 173 castaño in favor 610 to 559 so i mean you know it's really not that big of a difference and this time charlo did land a lot more power shots than he had before so um you know that that was great that was great so we'll see where you know he goes castaño just get right back on the horse, man. You know, you, there's plenty of guys that you hadn't fought at 154 yet, Harrison or whatever, you know. Now, so he's got plenty of fights, uh, you know, at this division. No doubt about it. Um, for Charlo, I'm thinking Tim Zhu. Um, but who knows? Maybe the Harrison Trilogy, Harrison coming off a great performance. Maybe the Harrison Trilogy – will be the biggest money offer, and so he takes that, you know, and drops a belt. 
I don't, I don't really know. I, like I said, I don't really care if he drops a belt because he's the undisputed. He's lineal. So, um, but yeah, if he fought Tim Zhu, beat him. If he fought Fundora, beat him. And then, you know, or or Harrison in there. Maybe Harrison and Fundora will fight, and then Tim Zhu and and you know, uh, Charlo will fight, and then the winners meet. That'd be dope too. And then he can go to 160, maybe. I don't know. But either way, um, there's a ton of talent at this division, man, still. And he's already gone through the older generation, and now the current up-and-comers, you know, are next potentially, um, you know, on the docket. Um, Let's see here. Oh, that first fight, you know, I missed a chunk of it, but the recording was kind of weird. It kept skipping through it only during the first fight. The rest of the, my DVR, you know, recording was fine, but it kept skipping. So I don't really have a round for round for that Gonzalez Riviera, but it was fun. Kevin Gonzalez won. I think the scorecard's 96-94, 97-93, and I, yeah, I think it was 98-92. Based on, you know, I had Gonzalez winning. Um, I think 97-93 was pretty good. I don't think I put 98-92 or, you know, scored at 98-92. I think the 97-93-96-94 was in range. But like I said, it did kind of jump, so I missed like 40 seconds of a round and stuff like that. And then it'd be good for like 90 seconds and then jump 15 seconds. And it was really weird. But anyway, um, Gonzalez landed 159-136, to uh, 36-14 to body shot-wise. It was a, from what I saw anyway, it was a fun fight. It was a, it was a good opener to the, to the, to the, the trilogy. I was about to say the, um, the triple header. Um, and of course, Jerron Boots Ennis took care of uh, Costillo Clayton very easily. I mean, this guy Ennis is just. It's hard to explain. Like, this guy is just dispersing, dispatching people that you're just like, really? That's all it took? Now, don't get me wrong. You know, was his, you know, his right hand um, definitely landed, like, on the back of the head or behind the ear. Um, But, you know, Clayton ducked into it, too. I don't think he was aiming for the back of the head. He ducked a little bit, and it probably would have hit the temple or maybe the ear or something like that, but he did duck. You see it all the time. I know, you know, a fair amount of people were screaming illegal shot. You know, I I personally, you know, I I didn't see that. I didn't think it was an illegal shot, let's put it that way. Like I said, I know where it landed, but – Based off what we see on a week in and week out at boxing, I don't look at that as illegal in that sense of he was ducking and he got hit like that. You know, so the equilibrium, you know, could have Clayton lasted a little longer? Yeah, I believe so. Um, Ennis just set up the jab basically the whole first round and the second round. And it was kind of like a, I don't know if it was really an overhand. It was kind of like, a roundhouse kind of a he kind of curled it around the guard and like I said he landed on the back of the head or you know behind the ear but uh, he just couldn't walk you know Clayton got up stumbled stumbled it was over um 
It's it, on one hand, it's really impressive. On the other hand, it's like, man, it'd be nice for Boots to get more rounds against, you know, a solid guy on paper because that's exactly what this dude is on paper. So it's kind of funky there. Um, and also, when you look for future opponents, it's like, damn, dude, you're going to have to bring the money up or something because he's just, like I said, just destroying these guys. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what his next fight's going to be. Um, I don't know, man. This guy is uh, something special on paper right now. He's taken on, you know, a variety of good quality contenders that should be at least testing him somewhat. And it's just not happening. He's just running through these dudes. And it's pretty scary. <laughs> it's pretty scary. Um, but it hurts him because, you know, he's, he's just too much of a, you know, too, it's the risk, high risk, low reward. And he's going to have to, we've seen it plenty of times. You know, it took Spence a while to get someone big in the ring. And, um, you know, he signed with Showtime, which obviously is aligned with the PBC. Um, we haven't heard a new deal that they have yet, but they could be working on something uh, behind the scenes. It could be a bigger deal. I don't think it involves much of CBS as far as actually showing fights on CBS, maybe like, uh, you know, like a more in the summer or something like that or, or at, you know, late afternoon shows or something like that. But I don't see them getting a bunch of CBS um, primetime because CBS is, the, you know, number one network. But it could be, like I've mentioned multiple times, a streaming deal. Paramount Plus, we know that's tied in with CBS and Showtime as well. So uh, maybe they're working on a deal behind closed doors, and Showtime's going to continue, obviously, to be with the PBC. And then maybe there is, you know, they have more fights to give, obviously. And unless they're negotiating the Fox deal more, which could be possible, um, I don't know. You just figure they're missing out on a bunch of cards that they normally have had since, what, 2015? And since 2000, late 2018, 2019 early, uh, you know, for Fox. So there was, what, 12 FS1 cards and uh, 10 Fox primetime. So, I mean, they, they, you know, and they it's not like their roster shrunk majorly or something like that. So we'll see uh, where that goes. But as far as uh, off-topics are, he, uh, but Ennis, my point is, He's just going to have to wait to see what happens with Spence and Crawford, and some of those belts will come loose, and then he's going to have to be the best of this next generation. Maybe he makes uh, you know, enough of a splash, and all of a sudden, Keith Thurman wants to fight him. I, you know, I don't know. But it's the old story in boxing that, you know, it's like you're too good for your own good. <laughs> it sucks. But he's in that, you know, all he can do is stay focused. And do his thing. And Boots is doing his thing. He's basically the definition of doing his thing. Um, Zerto, you know, Ramirez took care of business against a nondescript guy. And uh, not much to think about it. He, I believe, now, or has been, or now is the, um, the WBA special 
He hasn't been called as the mandatory, but he's in line. Mandatory hasn't been called, but he's in line for Bivol's belt. Maybe that's the fight he'll get. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. I just want to see Zerto win with someone, dude. I mean, Jesse Hart, those were quality fights. I get the Abraham was way past it, but hey, that was a quality fight at least at that time. But I mean, how many more fights can we go, you know, with this type of opponent? Um, and it's not all his fault. You know, I'm not saying that. But it is what it is. Uh, but the, but William Zapata and, and Rene Alvarado put on a damn good show. Um, I think he's 26-0 and 0 with 23 KOs now, Zapata. This was a damn good fight. Um, I had Zapata winning it 6-4. Um, I think the scorecards, someone had it that. Someone had it 97-93. Someone had it 98-92, and I didn't see that at all. I thought Alvarado did really good. Uh, in the first, especially four rounds. You could have given him three out of the first four rounds, or at least two and two, I thought. Um, Alvarado was just boxing really well early. Um, He was landing the better shots. Zapata landed like a nice right hand to the body um, in that first round, but I gave it to Alvarado. Second round, although Alvarado was busier, I thought the left hand to the body... um, midway in late, and then I think there was a few late uppercuts that landed really hard. That was enough for me to give Zapata that round. And then Alvarado landed those jabs in the right hands or left hooks. Um, Not that Zapata didn't have moments there, but that was enough for me. Really fun back and forth uh, part of the fight midway. The fourth round was super fun. Um, The counters... Uh, landed really hard, I thought, was enough to give to Alvarado. But like I said, I could be 2-2 two two after the first four. Zapata, another, like I said, that mid-rounds were really two-way. I thought Zapata did enough uh, of the bigger uh, punches landed in that action round in the fifth. Um, Alvarado put in some body work, landed some counters. You know, the, the sixth round was super close. I think I gave it to Zapata, Zapata, but that was close. I thought that was close. I did give the seven, although it was most of the round was two-way. Um, I think the best punch of that round was landed. It was a right hook by Zapata. It was like an exchange. You could say a busier and maybe most of the better shots, if that makes sense, in round seven were Alvarado, but I think that one big shot actually stole it for Zapata. And I gave him the ninth and tenth as well. Uh, the combos, he started like combination and then he reset. Combo, reset. Combo, he was really going with that in and out style. Looking pretty good uh, down the, the, the way of that one. So I did give Zapata the fight. Um, I thought it was about six to four, something like that. So we'll see where he goes from there. But Alvarado... Um, like they said on the broadcast, was looking faded there for a while um, in his career. And, you know, he's lost a bunch of fights, don't get me wrong. But um, I'm not going to say he rejuvenated his career, but uh, he did a pretty damn good job there. And, you know, we'll see um, where they move Zapata. Will they move him laterally? Will they step him up a little bit? We'll see. Um, that's about all the fights cover. Today's a little weird. 
we see him doing the show on a Thursday. Life got in the way a little bit. Um, ended up having to do something I couldn't get out of. No biggie. It's nothing bad, but I just, uh, you know, something popped up. I had to do it. So um, I'm just kind of doing a show to get some content out there. So it's, it's going to be a shortened show. Um, I didn't really notify too many people. I see some, some folks. What's up? If anyone wants to talk, press one. That's cool. If not, it looks like most of the people that I am familiar with, for the most part anyway. Um, but, yeah, if you want to join in, that's cool. Otherwise, I, I didn't really let anybody know, you know, the, like Carcino or, you know, Jumpman or anything. I just tried to get this done, basically, trying to get something for content this week. Um, so I think that's about it. I'll go over, you know, this weekend. Like I said, Benavidez in Lemieux, Boatsy and Richards, um, ESPN, uh, ESPN Plus has a fight card as well. That could be uh, an interesting fight. Uh, Genebic going against uh, Dignum, Danny Dignum. Um, That's on ESPN Plus. It's for the vacated WBO middleweight title. It's kind of crazy, too, because, well, we'll get into some fight news in a second. Um, And also on that other card, uh, Jamel Herring is taking on an undefeated fighter in Jermaine Ortiz. Um, Jermaine Ortiz, it's it's Semper Fi versus uh, the Technician. Um, That'll be like I said, oh, it's. I didn't know it was on regular ESPN. I thought it was just ESPN Plus. Okay, so it's ESPN, ESPN Plus, Deportes. Okay, all right, so it's Deportes in the Plus and ESPN. I'm glad that I looked at that. I did not know. I wonder if – I didn't check the guide. It's been a crazy week this week. I wonder if – well, at night, what time does it start? I wonder uh, – the reason why I'm kind of talking through this <laughs> – sorry – little confusing. Um, I'm wondering if there was like an NBA game, but on a Saturday night, more than likely that NBA game is going to be on ABC. So uh, forget that. Forget that. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see Janabek. Um, you know, I, I, I am interested in seeing how he performs in general. He's gotten a lot of hype coming up. Uh, sometimes he's really kind of not necessarily lived up to the hype yet, but like you could really see it in the ring, and other times you're like, hmm, I wonder. Um, and obviously that's a a tough scenario for uh, Andre, who decided not to take that. I think Mungia decided not to take that fight, too. There's a couple people that, uh, you know, dipped on that one. But um, and it's, it's even tougher now with Andre because he got hurt, and now they're not even sanctioning the WBO. Try to become "quote unquote" parentheses in the air. Canelo's mandatory um, at 168. And so does that mean Eddie Hearn still has one more fight, or is it a date that the deal's done? Because he may have one more fight with Andre. Correct? He may. I'm saying because he said this is the last fight. Well, if that fight doesn't happen, I'm wondering if it's an amount of fights or is it a date? You know. Does he own one more fight? But instead of, you know, he went up to 168, 
I, he wouldn't have gotten a Canelo fight anyway, but I understand why they did it. It's definitely against that. What I on paper it feels like it's a lesser fight, but or you know a, a lesser challenge, that's for sure. Um, but there are other fights uh, going on this weekend. Um, uh, God, what, let me check really quick. It's uh, Medcalf in uh, Lajarga or whatever. I think it's Lajarga. Lajarga. That's going to be a good fight. That could be interesting. I think that's a really close one. Let me pop that up here. Do, 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 do. I am on pro boxing odds. Yeah, uh, Medcalf is a plus 164, 165, I think, is the top. Otherwise, it's plus 130, plus 137. I think that should be a damn good fight. Uh, Foster and uh, Baluda, that's a 50-50 fight. Another fight, Jean Pascal and Fan Long Meng. Uh, um, Pascal is a, like a two to one, somewhere in that range, plus 190. I think the lowest I see is plus 163. Uh, Pascal and Mang. That's on that, uh, that app that I told you guys about a while back. I think it's only two bucks. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, oh, Molina and Davies Jr. Javier Molina and, and Robbie Davis Juniors, Junior, Juniors. Um, that's close to a pick fight too. Uh, see what I'm saying about this weekend? Are there fights that stand way out? Like, oh, dude, this is so meaningful. You know, like there's another one I mentioned that Ortiz and Herring. I mean, Herring's an underdog. Plus, you can get him for plus two fifteen um, on five dimes, like. There, there are some competitive fights. Also, Jorge Cota and Yoelvis Gomez, that's not a competitive fight on paper. But I like that as a stepping stone for Gomez. I'm really excited about this kid. Um, also, um, uh, Jonathan Fierro. Is it Fierro? I think it's Fierro. And Nunez. That, I mean... Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not calling for that being a 50-50 fight, um, but I think that's going to be a banger. I, I'd say that should be. And, of course, you know, Lemieux and Benavides. I just see that as a good TV fight, like I mentioned earlier. I don't, I don't – I'm not calling for some kind of, you know, great fight. By the way, Boatsy and Craig Richardson, that's on the zone. Um, that's Saturday night as well. Um, I think Boatsy will win that pretty cleanly. But I'd say for the first, I don't know, half of the fight, I bet you it'll be pretty competitive. You know, Craig Richards is a is a pretty steady operator. Um, I like that fight. You know, I think that's a good that's a good fight. Um, let's see. Um, hold on, let me double check something. Is that for? Is that Lemieux for a – is that a, for a, an interim belt to become once again? Well, actually, the I was going to say the WBC, uh, you know, uh, Mando for Canelo, but Canelo, Canelo is the franchise champ still because when you win it, you can go to different divisions, right? He, he, he won it, or they gave it to him at 160. 
And I'm pretty sure that allows him to fluctuate because he's still the, the franchise champ, I believe, out there. But, yeah, Yoelvis Gomez, who's 5-0 and with five KOs, taking on Jorge Cota, like I said, a stepping stone. I think that'll be an interesting fight there. Um, let me actually check. Not that it totally matters, but, you know, some people are, are kind of thinking that Richardson is going to pull the upset because he did have a, and it, it should be said, he did have a very competitive fight with Bivol. Now, I didn't think um, it was as tight as one of the one or two of the scorecards, but it was tight. It was tight. And up until that um, fight, I remember he beat, uh, or he lost to, what am I saying? He lost to uh, Frank Buglani or whatever that guy's name is. Buglani, I think. Um, You know, he didn't really, it's kind of a nondescript. Craig Richards was a nondescript guy going into that fight. Um, But I I, I like Buglani. You know, I think think he'll get it done. I think he'll get it done. Uh, will it be by knockout? I mean, it's not like he's, like, overly tested either, if we're being honest. You know what I mean? Um, so I could see it being competitive, like I said, for about half the fight or something like that. Um, that definitely would not surprise me whatsoever. I'm trying to think. Did they – let me just check something real quick. Did they make it for the interim? Yeah, it is the interim WBC 168 belt. So he's trying to be a mandatory, although you don't have to be a mandatory. I don't think he's going to – I don't think it matters anyway, but I don't – you know, the whole Andre thing and even this fight, to become the mandatory, it's more of like um, a press release. Like, hey, I, want, I made myself a mando, and obviously Benavidez, literally made himself into this Mando because he, you know, dropped the belt twice. But it's basically like, you know how promoters will put, you know, a, a, a fighter they promote and a great name for the past in the same sentence? It's basically that. Like, hey, man, he's afraid of me. Look, I'm his Mando and he won't fight me. You know, that's basically what it was. So I get it. It's a move that, you know, makes sense. Um, but, yeah, as far as, like, Will Lemieux win that fight? I've always thought Lemieux was pretty overrated. I think, um, although I was excited for Golovkin-Lemieux at that time, and and people were hyping that win and having that fight because it was for unification. But, you know, not every – I was talking about undisputed. Not every undisputed is the same, right, as far as quality of opponent and how many people you beat to get there. Um, It's the same with unifications. I mean, I, who did he beat? In Dom? Is that who he got his title from? I can't remember. But I think it was in Dom. I'm not trying to blast Lemieux. I just think he's a fun fighter to watch. Uh, Golovkin jabbed him to death. Lemieux outboxed him easy. Uh, he was exposed coming up. I, I think he's a good quality fighter. I do think he has power. I think that's evident. But... Um, this is one of those fights where I think that because Benavides is not the most you know defensive-minded, um, that I think Lemieux will get his for a while, and, and at some point the jab and the right hand and the body shot. I think it's just accumulation of shots is going to win it for for Benavides. 
Um, what else we got? Uh, we do have a, a woman's fight, uh, a unification Cameron in uh, Bustos. I'm not familiar with Bustos. Um, so, oh, we do have that Tevin Farmer, Mickey. God, there's a lot of fights this weekend, man. Modern day, well, I shouldn't even say modern day boxing, because the last five years, seven years, it's just been nuts um, <laughs> with the amount of boxing sometimes in a weekend. But that Tevin Farmer, Mickey Bay Jr. fight from Ghana is going to happen. Um, I think it was supposed to be in Dubai, wasn't there? No, it was supposed to be someplace else. But anyway, it's happening. Uh, if you want to check that out. Um, Tiger Johnson is on the... Uh, who's he fighting uh, on the ESPN card? Adam Lopez, William Encarnacion. I think that's who he's fighting. Carlos Baldras on that. Baldras, Baldras. Jesus Christ, he's on that. Um, Duke is on that. So yeah, I mean, there's you know, but that that by the way, that May May twentieth is the night of Mang and Pascal. I do want to clarify that. Um, so that's something to uh, recall to remember. Um, in that. Yeah, that's because that's on um, the zone. Is that Lajarga Metcalf fight? That's on Friday night as well. So Friday night on the zone are two like, yeah, they're not great fights. Like I said, there's really no great fight this weekend as far as name recognition or where you're at in the division. But I do think it'll live up to a pretty damn good card or, or good card, good weekend. You know, I really do. I think it'll be interesting. Um, Let's see here. Uh, what am I going to – oh, yeah, the uh, – well, you know what? You know, we, we, we talked about last weekend how Ben Davison – or was it two weeks ago? How he's not – his visa issue, he, he's not able to uh, to travel uh, to be in the corner, um, you know, of Haney. And now uh, Bill Haney will not be permitted either. This is from Jake Donovan on Boxing Scene. He will not uh, be able to go to to Australia. And this is like something that was like, what, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, long-ass time ago. He said 19. Yeah, I think it was 30 years ago. Um, he did his time. You know, obviously he's been solid since. Um, he's been a, a, a major, major, you know, played a major role in his son, uh, you know, where he's at today. And uh, so it's one of those things where it's like I get like felonies and not being able to go into different countries to an extent. I think it was like not long ago they changed – I live up here in in Minnesota, up here in Minnesota, to go to Canada. Like if you got a DWI or DUI, kind of matters where you're – you know what they call them in your state, but you couldn't go across the border. I mean, not legally, anyway, you can go by boat, but, um, so, you know, okay, but this shit happened 30 years ago, dude. Not like he's been in and out of jail a bunch of times, or he just got out of jail uh, a year ago or a month ago, you know, so 
it's kind of funky. I'm not surprised because that's how it goes, some, you know, on, on this stuff. But now, point is, Bill Haney, who, you know, does play, is, of course, he plays a huge role. I just got done mentioning that, uh, you know, for Devin in his life, right? But he does play a role in the corner. Let's not that, you know, forget that. And Ben Davidson was the lead trainer. So now Joel uh, Judah, Joel Judah, actually. Joel Judah will be the lead uh, um, lead corner, which, you know, <laughs> that's pretty damn solid right there. So it's not like he's going to be screwed. Um, you know, what, would Ben Davidson be the reason why Haney won the fight? Probably not, you know. I mean, does he play a role? Yeah, just like his dad and all that, you know, in the camp and Floyd Sr. played a role, and, you know, he grew up a lot in the Mayweather gym, you know. So, um, but it just sucks for him personally. You know, you see them two a lot together, him and Bill, Devin and Bill, right? And, of course, he'd want his, you know, his pops there. Not just in his corner, but they're already there. They just got there, and the fight's not until June 4th, so... um, you know, there is part of that is like, huh. Um, now, of course, they could FaceTime and all that stuff. It's not like back in the old days or something where, you know. But it is a little funky. You know, I'm not going to lie. It is a little funky there. So we'll see, you know, if Devin can uh, overcome what I'd say is slight adversity. I think the uh, the more adversity is just fighting on the road, you know. I think that's a bigger adversity than not having his dad. But, you know, Ben Davidson, you know, it's not like Davidson's been training him for five years or something. You know what I mean? So I think it can make a difference. I'm not trying to downplay it, but I don't think Ben Davidson would be like, man, when the fight's over and if Devin were to win, you got to give it all to Ben Davidson. That, that's what it is, you know. And for that matter, you know, You'd have to give more to his dad in general, <laughs> you know. Forget training boxing, just his dad in general in his life, um, and what he was able to, you know. You know, he was obviously a strong presence in this young man's life. I think that's evident. You know, that, that if you don't see that, you're you're blind. You know what I mean? So I think the credit's already there for for Bill, and you know they went the independent route. And uh, went to the zone, and, and some of their fights weren't as good for a while. The last two fights were, you know, Linares and JoJo, but they made a lot of money. And what I liked about their decision is they knew that they had to, make, you know, they couldn't stay independent. They they knew they had to make this deal, and they did. And so it's not like, you know, can Bill be a little headstrong or, you know, he's kind of the voice of the camp too. So he talks a bunch of shit too. He, he gets boxing Twitter going, doesn't he? You know what I mean? Has he said some stuff where you're like, well, hang on. Yeah, but that's, that's a lot of people. You know what I mean? That's a lot of people. My point is, um, I just think that Devin's now a grown man and I think he'll be okay. I don't think, Bill would have been like, he sees something, and that would have been the difference in this fight. I think Devin can still, like I said, I think the biggest adversity is fighting on the road. Um, 
you know, with the scorecards. I didn't think Pacquiao lost the horn. Did you? I don't know too many people that did. I know there's some, but it's very – not many people thought Pacquiao – now, did Pacquiao look great in the fight? No. But I thought Pacquiao beat Horn, and maybe he gets a decision. So, but that's Pacquiao, you know. Um, but but like I said, back to Haney. I, I you know I like how they said screw it, we got to sign on a deal. And hey, it may give them. It may lead to a Lomachenko fight too. You never know. Who knows? Maybe it leads to a Teofimo fight even you know, next year or something like that. Anyway, this is also Jake Donovan. The news came through that Golden Boy DeZone finalized a multi-year agreement. Um, they, the renewal deal will allow Golden Boy to maintain its premiere dates and proceed with its monthly Golden Boy fight night on DeZone. Are those going to be Thursday nights, too, uh, sometimes? Uh, usually they're Friday or Thursday, aren't they? Um, or it's like, you know, a, a prospect development series. Um so, yeah, I think it's a three-year deal uh, from the sounds of it. I'm looking at some details right now. Um, <laughs> some of the, like, you know, when they, the, the first fight, or some of the first fights they're talking about, you know, obviously are not, not going to get you excited. You know, Munguia got a fight. It's about time, June 11th. Um, we know, I don't know, it just... It sucks for Munguia. Now, does he have something to do with it? Sure, of course, you know, but we all know Oscar openly admitted, you know, that he kept him from that Charlo fight because they agreed to terms. So that means the fighter was okay with the money, but he wanted it, you know, to be a pay-per-view. It wasn't going to be a pay-per-view on Showtime. He, Oscar wanted to zone involved, Right. But yet, DAZN never put up the money. Goldboy never put up the money. Shit was crazy. But anyway, my point is, at least he's fighting, but he's fighting Jim Kelly. No, not that Jim Kelly. Not that Jim Kelly, you know. Uh, actually, he was dealing with some cancer. Work. Um, yeah, that's that's one of their first fights they talk about. June 11th, Munguia and Jim Kelly. And no, like I said, not that Jim Kelly. Um, Ryan Garcia, they talk about July 16th. Um, also, Estrada in front, uh, yeah, J- Joshua Franco, or Franco, that's August 6th. That had been rumored to be uh, July 16th, but um, so so that's good for Golden Boy um, and DeZone. I think that as far as DeZone here in America, I think that actually helps them a lot. Um, because they've needed that, you know, they, they, they need that because, you know, Matchroom is kind of all over the place with what they give us here. I'm talking about Matchroom USA is what I'm talking about. It's kind of all over the place. It's not been all that solid. Um, you know, some of it's been really good. Some of it not, um, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm talking about recently since the pandemic, basically it's been really hit or miss though. Um, whereas Gold Boy, like last year, for instance, I thought Gold Boy put on the best fights uh, over Matchroom USA, or just Matchroom in general last year. I thought Gold Boy put on the better fights. But um, so yeah, um, let, you know, just to parlay into that. Um, so the Garcia thing, the Ryan Garcia, Isak Cruz thing, right? 
um, the WBC has announced that they canceled the ordering of the, 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 the lightweight final eliminator for the WBC between Isak Cruz and Ryan Garcia. Um, they said it's been confirmed that both fighters had prior scheduled fights. But yet, you know, you see what Ryan Garcia was saying online. It was like, huh? No, don't get me wrong. You know, Isak Cruz's team and even him were like, hey, let's make the fight. Let's hopefully we make the fight, you know. Um, but he was really going off and saying, oh, he don't want it. It was just kind of weird. It was just kind of weird. Um, it is what it is. Uh, I didn't know if that fight would happen. I was kind of happy they called for it. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, here's some funky news, which is just boxing in, in a nutshell. The WBA are set to give each of their top six super lightweight contenders 15 minutes it's like debate in high school. They have 15 minutes, like on a video, to tell them, the WBA, why they should be able to fight for the vacant belt. Uh, it's just like, really, dude? So, Puelo, was it Barroso? Barroso, I think. Davies, who's fighting. Uh, Sandor Martin, Regis Progray. And Akmaldiev, Akmaldiev, he actually should, he should have already gotten a bigger fight too. But so they're gonna have him plead their case. It's just like, what? It's such a joke. I mean, I know, like I said, I try not to get too tied up with these belts because the shit's bullshit, right? But I don't know, man. Like, so Josh Taylor, we got some. We're gonna parlay into that too which is pretty funky. I love me some Josh Taylor, but come on now. He he dropped the WBA, and Puelo should be fighting the number two guy. Now, do I think Progray and some of these other guys on the list, shit, they got Tiafimo at eighth. Um, not that he's done a bunch at this weight class. Uh, don't get me wrong, but um, Catterall, yeah, Catterall's 12th in the WBA. And he's third in the WBO. It's just it's just a joke. But anyway, so yeah, they're gonna all put in your videos, and we'll see which one makes more sense. But here's the kicker. This is according to Sky Sports. Josh Taylor. It sounds like Josh Taylor fight Ho- Jose Zapata next, according to Todd DeBuff. They're in talks. They're deep in the talks. It sounds like it's going to happen. Good fight. I'm not. I'm not ripping the fight. I think it's a good fight. But Catterall, come on, dude. Jack. Oh, Jack should get a rematch. That was a tight ass fight. Um, whether you think Taylor lost or not, that shit was tight. And he even said, "I'll give him a rematch next, no problem." But it has to be at 47. If he turns around. It fights at 140. That sounds some bullshit. Quality fight, though. Zapata, hey. You know, I thought he beat Ramirez. So, like, I'm not... I, I like the fight. You know what I'm saying? I definitely like the fight. But that sucks for Jack, dude. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. 
what the fuck is that shit? Like, how are you going to do that? By the way, I did. someone messaged me, and I appreciate this. I didn't go over the Charlo cards. I mentioned it early, but I didn't give detail. They were eight at the knockout in the 10th. They were 87, 84, no problems there. 88, 83, eh, not that big of a problem. 89, 82, I think is pretty wide. Um, so, yeah, there, there is that. Let's see the um, – so that would be you only gave him – is that two rounds then? Is that two rounds or one round? I think that's one or two rounds. Is it one round? Because if it's one round, that's bullshit. That would be bullshit, I'd have to say. Yeah, it's, I'm looking at the scorecards right now. Um, and thanks for bringing that up. I, I did want to go through the detail. That's one round. They gave Castaño the fourth round. That, that card's bullshit. Now, the other card, I saw plenty of people say 7-2, 6-3. You know, I'd be okay with that, 6-3. to three. Seven and two is like tops, but yeah, only win in one round. Nah, I, I didn't see that. I mean, I, I gave him three rounds, you know, personally. Uh, like I said, three to three, three to one at the halfway point, or it wasn't at the halfway point, but at the sixth round, you know, 12 scheduled rounds. Um, and then I said, what, max, what I say, four two would be max at that point through six? Could you give Castaño another round past that? I believe you could. Um, but if you had a 3-3, you know, then that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, oh yeah. Somebody sent me this list too. Bernard Hopkins. Oh, this is the undisputed, the four belt era. Let me repeat undisputed male champions, four belt era. Bernard Hopkins at middleweight in 2004, Jermaine Taylor, obviously the same, same, same weight class, 2005 Crawford. At 140, 2017, Usyk, Alexander Usyk at Cruiserweight, 2018, Josh Taylor, 2021, super lightweight, Canelo Alvarez. This is from Showtime, 2021, and then Charlo now, 2022. And obviously, the one there, either you think they're missing or not, is the undisputed in 2020. Um, but, of course, the WBC franchise belt mucked that all up. I do think that was the lineal championship. But I understand the undisputed. Some people say it was undisputed. Okay, that's cool. I'm fine with that. But, you know, it's lineal. I think we can all agree it was lineal uh, based off rankings. But, uh, you know, I understand why people aren't counting that as undisputed as well, though, because it's like, well, you know, the WBC came up with some bullshit, and so you're going to have to pay for it. You know, too bad if you don't like that. Um, so yeah, I do think, especially that one scorecard was silly. I think he won. Now, seven to two, that's probably the the max I could go is seven, or the minimum I could go is seven to two. Um, oh, here is US, oh, USA Today Sports, Oscar De La Hoya. Of course, you know, promoters always love to talk shit about each other when, you know, certain people lose or whatever. This is what Oscar had to say. The fact that the promoter of this event pushed Bibble on Canelo. It was the dumbest move in boxing history. That was not the dumbest move. We talked about that, though, how you might as well have fought Golovkin and Benavides and Charlo and, and wrapped up 160 fully 
and not have to go back to it if you're ever going to go back to it and then go to 75, you know, for legacy and all that stuff. It did seem like out of order. You're going to fight the more difficult fight before you fight Golovkin. I'll say that, but to say it was the dumbest move in boxing history, it's not knowing boxing. It was the stupidest move ever. I would never allow Canelo to fight Bibble. Well, you know, you didn't fight Munguia. You didn't allow him to fight Charlo, so maybe that was part of it. And then here's that other part with the W. Uh, Demetrius Andre, this is Eddie Hearn, too, because Andre was with Eddie Hearn. Like I said, I'm not sure if he's still going to be one fight now. I'm not sure. But this is Jake Donovan. This is from a, a handful of days ago. Um, WBO withdraws the sanction of the interim super middleweight title fight between Parker and Andre. So he's kind of just screwed now. Uh, Andre, you know, and he got hurt. That's why they said screw it. But, uh, yeah, we're going to see how long Andre's out. And like I just said, is it, they said this is the, Eddie said it's the last fight with Andre that he's going to move on. Is it a is it a date or is it one more fight? Because if not, then he owes Andre another fight. Then. Um, this is also unboxing scene. Bibble not one hundred percent sure he can uh, make one sixty eight for the rematch. Uh, we could talk about it. He said on the Dizone Boxing Show, we could talk about it. You know, the, with the Canelo team, we could talk. It's not one hundred percent that I will not fight at one sixty eight. No, we could talk about it. I'm not sure 100% um, that I can make it before the corona uh, coronavirus. I was sure um, after I gained a little bit of weight, too much eating, not enough fighting. Maybe that's why he looked so mediocre in those fights, by the way. Um, so does that mean he's like, no, nah, I'm not trying to go to 68, you know, or does that mean he's that's part of negotiations to make it? I don't know. Um What else have we got for Twitter segment here? I think that's oh Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury appeared to uh, attempt. Well, he not appeared to. He attempted. This is TMZ, by the way. <laughs> uh, he, he attempted to kick a cabbie after an apparent altercation with the driver in France. And, yeah, we, what, what you see is him trying to get in the car, and obviously it's locked or whatever. Somebody else comes up to it, and the driver drives off, and that's when Fury, I think it was his pops that held him back, if I, if I remember correctly. I think it was his pops. I think it was John that held him back, but he tried to kick the thing. He tried to kick it, and, you know, you know shit happens. I mean, I had a best friend that kicked a, a, a city bus one time when we were all drunk. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? He's kicked cars before. Um, the problem is, Fury was completely wasted, obviously. You can tell he was stumbling. So let's hope it's just a celebration and he's having fun. What is it, like, about a month after his fight? Less than a month. So hopefully it's just a celebration. He had too much to drink, and, he, you know, he's having a little too much fun. Let's hope that he's not back on that, uh, you know, the the, 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 pot, the negativity, let's, let's put it that way. Um, yeah, I think we're going to go to boxing Twitter. 
I think that's where we're going to go. Is there anything else I wanted to talk about? Um, yeah, let's go to the boxing Twitter segment where, you know, we, we usually read like the, the tweet of the week. We'll uh, venture into some fanboy tweets. And then, you know, the media members behaving like fanboys, we like to, to get at them. Um, so let's just get into it. Um, Ugas has, has a broken or- orbitable, which I'm sure is very painful. If you're taking a dive, why take 10 rounds of punishment? Go out in the first and collect your paycheck. Yeah, um, that, that whole that he faked stuff, it's just stupid. Uh, boxers have very short careers, which is why promoters, media, uh, broadcasters, and know, uh, that knowingly and Brian Kinahan should be the ones uh, taking the task. Uh, they'll be around for decades and willing to do it again in a second. That's right, because, you know, boxers are the ones that have a very short career. Don't let Canelo's loss uh, last week distract you from the fact that Larry Holmes' um, last, last ever fight <laughs> um, at 52 years old was against Butterbean, which he won over 10 rounds. Think boxing has become a circus? Butterbean, Butterbean fought with the URL of a gambling website across his back. That's true. That's always funny when we say, oh, it's becoming a, you know, these exhibitions. It's like, dude, they used to do celebrity boxing on Fox. And the funny thing, for a while anyway, it, the ratings killed it. So, you know, it, it's funny how that works. Boxing Twitter has been insufferable with all the shit takes and outrageous posts for attention for a while, but especially since Canelo has lost. Yeah, there has been some shitty, shitty tweets. If I tweet about Canelo, a thousand groupies uh, will be on the post. When I post exclusive boxing content, I can't find 10 people on it. Shows most people don't care about boxing. They want intercrosses over nicely in a variety of ways, not just for boxing. But, yes, that is uh, that's pretty crazy. Surprised how many boxing people – oh, you know what? And I forgot. Uh, I forgot to cover this fight, um, and I just saw a chunk of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. Basically, like, cut up highlights. Sergey Kovalev, who looked pretty damn old, beat a prospect, Pulev. I forgot about that. But, yeah, it was funny to see. This is uh, Mark Ortega. He said, surprised how many boxing people have chosen to cover the Triller fight over the undisputed 154-pound. And it's true. In fact, I I did. I was going to put this one in. Uh, Abraham Gonzalez retweeted Vince Cummings' uh, uh, tweet. Come out to the forum this Saturday. Triller versus Five is going down. Fight night music. Fight night in music. Buy tickets in the pay per view at Triller Fight Club. So he's out there. Uh, It's just funny, but. Dudes will turn right around. They'll call something shit. And I know it wasn't an expensive pay-per-view, like 60 or 80 bucks, but they'll call something shit and turn around and put a, a, a link for, you know, go buy this pay-per-view. And, you know, I'm not shelling for these broadcasters, but then they turn around and shell for the broadcasters. I know Cy- I didn't see it. I didn't see Cypress and Onyx, by the way. I thought it was kind of a myth mismatch on the paper. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong, like the crowd 
Like, I'm not talking about this particular crowd, but, you know, if it's live, which it was in front of an audience, I get the Cypress and Onyx matchup from a live music, per, you know, performance and audience because both those groups got the crowd really into it. And, and maybe Onyx won. I haven't heard that, but I, I didn't really dive into it too much. But I thought it's really not a – I mean, sure, you can – Sticky fingers, you can go to his solo stuff, but come on, dude. Like, Cypress has got that one. Um, boxing media failed the public on Bibble and Canelo. It was a great fight between two elite, uh, two elite fighters. Bibble was ignored and written off and treated as a minor inconvenience prior to Canelo's uh, trilogy with GGG. This could have been huge if the uh, media would just acknowledge how good he is. You know, I don't know about that, but I did. I didn't realize that uh, Bivol or Bivol was funny, and so that point, as far as not really having him do a ton of interviews or anything like that, the promotion was kind of funky because although I saw the commercial during the NBA playoffs, that was big, like. Digital, which is usually the zone strong point, digital, I couldn't find a commercial for it when I'd watch it on YouTube. And that's usually their strong point. So on one hand, you know, they, they definitely tried to – it seemed like – I don't know, the, the, the commercial sucked, I'll say that. But I don't really like to get into like, oh, if the commercial was better, that would have meant 300,000 more buys or some shit like that. That'd be silly. On it, though, it was like, okay, this is – Canelo, that's Bibble. The highlights were kind of weak, I guess my point is. But I don't know, it just wasn't put together that well. But it was also like zone pay-per-view, and it's like, okay, so I go to zone, Like, I don't know. Um, and I know it was available across cable and satellite, not just on zone. Eddie Hearn has been talking about how much it actually did. Um, but notice how the, the usual suspects or the normal media, right, I'll, I'll classify both of those, we still don't have a pay-per-view number for them, for that. And I didn't see Coppinger last week say, oh, you know, this includes the buys on the zone. A lot of times when they say, oh, you know, this includes Showtime app, but they don't know the zone app, how much that was on there. But Eddie Hearn saying it did over six hundred thousand. Um, but, but it's also it got reported not by a boxing normal source. Uh, what it did on cable, like the cable satellite stuff, and it did a really bad number on that. Now, of course, you know you can. I, I think it was. WON1 reported that the estimate was 133, I've heard 152, whatever, buys um, on U.S. TV uh, pay-per-view. But probably, this is uh, Jedi Goodman saying um, that the majority of viewers watched on the zone. Um, so, my point is, I don't know. 
like he says it does. So that would have mean it'd do about four hundred fifty thousand on DAZN straight up. Now, does that mean DAZN USA for sure, or does that mean like where else was was it in Canada? Is it North America? Is where it did four fifty? I don't know. But anyway, back to we'll talk about that in a second. But the this is a lefty. The media feeds off the promoter, in my opinion. Um, the promoter is responsible for the content of the fighters. I didn't know he spoke well. We're talking about Bibble that well, or spoke English that well into the press conference. The promoter spent more time, and this is what I think Eddie did for sure. Um, the promoter spent more time talking to the media about Espinosa, Charlo, Benavides, Spence, Usyk, and himself more than Bibble, and that that is true. I mean, he had a lot to say that week, but um, I don't know. So. On, on IFL TV, he did say that it did over 600,000. That's what he said. Um, now, you know, we didn't get a a press release announcement on that just yet. And it, it heard on Twitter, when it came to Deuce, actually, made it sound like you'll find out soon, like it was going to be a press release. But he says it comfortably did over 600,000, says it was a huge success. Confirms the lower buy rate numbers for the other platforms it was on. He said, yes, it did 150000 on the smaller platforms, but then you've got to add the DAZN buys. But the smaller platforms, that's a really funky way to put that, you know? Um, like, that's the traditional pay-per-view. Like, that's how you usually gauge the, the pay-per-view. I know DAZN you know, is different, but Showtime has an app too. Um, sometimes it's minorly cheaper on there. Sometimes not. It also matters what state you're in. I know California usually, not always, but they usually get like a low discount. Um, but this is Fred based off, he, he's bringing up something. He said he actually claimed that, he actually claimed that Eddie, that uh, the, that was the total um, including U.S. traditional pay-per-view or the smaller market, as he called it, because apparently the zone USA now has 100 million subs. And, and his point was the U.S. and Canadian pay-per-view market, which consists of 110 million homes that would pay 80 million, that's who he said the smaller market. So that's a smaller market in Hearn's world. Stop entertaining this fool. That's what. Uh, and you know to call that. The smaller market, that uh, that did kind of like, huh? It's available in over a hundred, you know, like eighty, hundred million homes. What are, you, what are you talking about? It's not a smaller market. Um, and clearly, the, the you know what people are saying is, well, you could save twenty bucks, but just do it on zone. So of course you can do that. But here's my point: the number they gave. For Canelo and Jacobs originally, we're just talking about Canelo fights, was seven in the seven hundred thousand range, seven fifty, seven hundred thousand, and that was to either you know I guarantee there's not seven hundred thousand hardcores that signed up for it, paying a hundred a year, getting that eight thirty three. I guarantee that because it wouldn't be all hardcores to watch Canelo, so. You know, that's just that's just factual. I mean, I don't have the proof, but let's be honest, you know. Um, 
And, you know, Eddie and others did talk about how, you know, when they sign up for a month and they leave. And they sign up and Canelo fights again. You know, and that's happened. That happened. But my point is, to pay 833 or tops 20 bucks, right? Because it went up to, you know, it doubled, remember? It was 9.99 and then it went up to 19.99, so 10 and 20. And they did that right before. Basically the hardcores had to say, do I want to do $100 for a year or do I just want to do a tw- do the $20 pay-per-views for uh, you know, for Canelo fights. Um but for $20 or current subscribers or people that signed up for $20, if they could only get 750000 to pay sixty, so to triple that and sometimes five times, six times more, to think that they got 450,000 people to sign up just at, or to have at the zone to buy it, I don't know. It's kind of funky. I'm not sure what to believe there. Because we know for the people that could cancel or pause their accounts during the, you know, during 20. Built up their subscribers more, you know, because Canelo fought a bunch in a row, so that helped. But it's never been over a million yet. So for me to to think that, so 600,000 people bought it, the vast majority of people went to the app? I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I'd like to hear a little bit more detail about that. Because, like I said, and he said over 600, 600 plus, so that means it could be 500,000. So it's just weird that for 833 or 20 bucks, they could only get a little over 700,000. But for $60, going to get potentially 400, 50, 500,000 500, buys, something like that, 450. I don't know. I'm not sure. But the thing is, if that's the case, as far as, well, this amount of people ordered it on the app, and maybe that's North America or Canada included, I don't know. But it's just interesting because, like, well, how many how many people sign up for the Fox or Showtime app then? Because clearly ESPN Plus, which has a bigger brand and has a much bigger marketing overall, you know, clearly they – they thought, well, we need the cable satellite companies too. And it's not like Showtime was just offering it just on their app, and obviously Fox wasn't either. So I'm, I'm just wondering about that. I don't know. It, it, it's it's kind of interesting how that goes. Uh, this is Scully. Most anticipated fight of the year will be Arthur or Arthur, Arthur Arturo beats Smith. Then better be a bivol. All Russian showdown for undisputed world light heavyweight. That is what I'm interested in. Let's get back to reality. No uh, PBO, pretty boy, Floyd versus a wrestler or YouTube guy against an MMA guy. Let's get back to world-class boxing at the highest level. All due respect to YouTube hustle versus MMA guys uh, in a boxing room, but it's simply not real, legit, or historical. Last night, was a real world-class boxing, you know the difference. He's talking about Bibble Canelo. Dude, we've been on a run to be like, well, a fight that may or may not happen is the only, is the biggest fight. Well, hold on, dude. Like, we've been, we've been on a run now. We've been on a run. 
what Charlo did to generate the first knockdown is called the Fitzsimmons shift, named after Bob Fitzsimmons. He basically switched stances in consecutive punches. Mel is at least the is at least the best junior middleweight since Tito's 2000 run. Might be best since McCollum. He definitely is on a nice run. I know once you start bringing up the past like that, people freak out. Uh, it's kind of wild that there was no oh there was so much speculation over Spence and uh, Ugas pay per view numbers. And yet we're still waiting for a single media member to provide Fury White and Canelo Bivol so-called numbers. How much you want to bet? Uh, they, they'll find their Twitter voices when uh, Davis and Romario fight. Yeah, it's so true. Like I said, I, I still have yet to see. That was August 23rd. No, no Fury White numbers. And from the people that normally report in boxing. Right? Not W-O-N or nothing. But the normal suspects, the, the normal press, not just suspects, but the normal press, I still have yet to hear a number from them. But they're saying that the cable, the number that seems pretty strong, and Eddie Hearn even admitted it, is like 130 to 150 on normal cable stuff. So, thing that stood out about the promotion. And just having Bibble, um, you know, compared to Benavides or Golovkin or Charlo, which there is no comparison really, is the NBA playoff commercials. And did they pay off to where it did over 600000 You know, we'll see. I mean, I don't know if we'll actually see, but we'll see. Um, someone tweeted Shakur Stevenson. They said, will you go for undisputed in the weight class or look for bigger and better fights? This is the era of undisputed. I want to, Shakur responds, I want to and I will, but since I'm not Loma, Bob thinks undisputed is played out. <laughs> it's kind of funny. After our fighter meeting card today, this is Al Bernstein. After our fighter meeting today for our Showtime card, I'm convinced that, convinced more than ever, that uh, Sierra and Nunez will be a slugfest and will end in a stoppage. Too powerful and motivated young fighters. Yeah, I talked about how that's going to be a good-ass fight. This is Fred. Bill Haney kicked Floyd Sr. off as a trainer because he was upset people were crediting Floyd for Haney's success. Some of your narratives sound like uh, you're as young as Mighty Max and uh, his 14-year-old bullshit. <laughs> um Oh, one more, one more. This is about Boots. Showtime, this is uh, Bernard Fernandez. Showtime's boxing announcers gave a very interesting unofficial statistic. None of them can recall Boots Ennis uh, losing a single round in his career. Okay, so not every everyone along the way was a stone killer, but not losing one round ever as a pro in 29 bouts, that's scary good. Um, so, yeah, I think that's about it. Let's get out of here. Um, like I said, a little bit of shorter show. Didn't get uh, John or other folks to call in. Like I said, life gets in the way. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. We'll definitely be back next week, though. Um, I don't know the exact date, if it'll be Wednesday or not, or what the date will be. Shit, it may be Monday. Um, actually, let me look real quick. Sorry. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I'm not sure. It might be Wednesday night. Who knows? It might be Monday. But I'll be back next week. Uh, enjoy the fights this weekend. Like I said, sometimes on the weekends where there's not huge fights, it pays off. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have your upper hand. So now, when, as you fight, let's say you fight four or five years of straight survival, of the bullshit, of the whole bag, and when you become the world champion, you're like, you know what, I made it. I'm going to show you.